Professional wrestling is the one true sport. Other sports have their share of intense, dramatic moments, but nothing can compare with professional wrestling. Welcome to Wrestling History X, where two friends get together and talk about the story behind the matches. I'm Matt. And I'm Michael. Welcome to episode 53, Wrestle War 1991. We want you. To do what? Uh, I don't know, like, join the war, What are we, we going to be doing in the war? I think we're like tank guys. We wouldn't be wrestling because it's wrestle war. We would be wrestling with our internal demons over in the Middle East as we ride our tanks into battle. That makes sense. Wrestle War 91 is the third annual wrestle war produced by the WCW and would be the first show. It's not JCP? No in... longer under the NWA banner. I guess it hasn't, it hasn't been because it was JCP NWA, right? For the longest time, and then Ted Turner bought it, and they became and WCW it, under the JCB or under NWA. and now it's just straight WCW. Yep. Show would take place on February twenty fourth, nineteen ninety one, at the Arizona Veterans Memorial Coliseum in Phoenix, Arizona, and the attendance was six thousand eight hundred people. That's our spot. Seven, seven thousand, six to seven, six to seven thousand <laughs> people for these WCW shows. Exactly. Some items that happened right around the time of Russell War 91. Mm, what do we got? Two days after the show, Saddam Hussein would announce the withdrawal of Iraqi soldiers from Kuwait. So George W. Bush would declare victory and order a ceasefire. Mm. It's always a good thing. Silence of the Lambs would be released two weeks prior. Did we already talk about Silence of the Lambs on this show? Maybe in one of our roundabouts talking about uh, something else. Maybe, yeah, I don't know. I feel like that I've talked about Silence of the Lambs a lot this year. I watched it for the first time this year, which is kind of crazy. That is crazy. Considering I'm like, I really like movies a lot. I watch a lot of them, and I finally did Silence of the Lambs, and it is great. No, everyone was right. <laughs> great movie. It is a great movie. Uh, also released two weeks prior, Boys to Men. Boys to Men. ABC, BBD. <laughs> yeah, man, I love Boys to Men. Uh, they would release their debut album of Cooley High Harmony, which has that song on it. Yeah, that's why I did that one, because like, one of the first CDs I ever had as a kid was the Boys to Men 2, mm-hmm. and uh, I love that record, and it's awesome, and it's just full of bangers, but uh, they're mellow bangers, whereas this is like more of like the... Philly hip-hop. Yeah, it's like it's more, it, there's, it's not, they're not all like love ballads and stuff. Oh, it's got more, uh, more of a beat. More, uh, more upbeat. Into the, into the road on Cooley High Harmony. I don't. I think that I think like all the biggest hits are just on uh, two. On two. Because two's like water runs dry. Of course, I'll make love to you. Um, on bended knee. God, Boys to Men is cool. I don't think they ever had a big album after two, but two was like huge. Let's see here. It's so hard to say goodbye to yesterday. Was on Cooley High Harmony. Was that's, it? That's the other one. Okay. Yeah. And then. Like the cover of Into the Road was on the Boomerang soundtrack, and in the Still (laughs) of the Night, they re-released the album at a later time that had those two songs added on. So those are like 
singles like from from movies basically that basically. that they were like okay well these are popular enough we got to throw them on there but they were not on the original the original track on the original album that yeah debuted when this show came out yeah i remember getting coolie high harmony like after having uh do you have the dvd or the or the tape oh this i had the cd yeah, oh, well, I have, used the DVD, but it's fine. That's what I meant. <laughs> I had the CD of, it, it. of two, and then like later, after liking that album so much, uh, I did get Coolie High Harmony, and I remember being like, I don't know, I guess I'm a love ballad guy, <laughs> but I remember just not, I didn't listen to it as much. I don't think you can hate Boys to Men. I mean, if you like, I mean, it's just that 90s, it's like pinnacle 90s R&B, which was huge at the time, because yes. there was like so many other, what was the other one, uh, All for One? Yes. Was that the name of the group? Yeah. Yeah, they had that cover. No, it wasn't. I don't know if it was that song, but at the same time, there was like a country version. Yeah, John Michael Montgomery yeah. released the same song. What's the name of that song? It's a cool I don't song. Remember. Yeah, it's a cool song. I mean, it's all for one's like only song, hit. yeah. Because their only other hit that they ever had was a uh, song that shouldn't ever be played on radio because it was all about getting. Freaky, basically. Oh, really? What was it? I mean, I'll Make Love to You is a pretty freaky song. Yeah, I swear. Oh, I Could Love You Like I That. I Could Love You Like That, yeah. yeah. That's, no, not, as, that's no, not as... No, it's not that song. Uh, they had another song on that album, because I had that album, too. Skills? Yeah, I had that record. Skills. Too. Yeah. That's what it was. That one's pretty raunchy. I mean, I'll Make Love to You is pretty raunchy, too. That's true. <laughs> I'm like, ooh. I remember listening to that song as a kid, and I was like... And I didn't... I don't know. Didn't really think about it too much, but then I got uh, older, and I was like, this is... Uh, like ear pornography. <laughs> I think the funniest uh, CD purchase ever. I bought Big Bad Voodoo Daddies and God, what was the other CD? Cherry Poppin' Daddies, which is the most offensive band name of all time. It was another album. It was yeah. Big Bad Voodoo Daddy, and 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 there was another album that I bought both on the same day. But my like mom was very protective and everything yeah but she saw you know big bad voodoo daddy and was all like i don't know about this and i was like it's it's big band music don't worry yeah about it's it. like, like whatever it's but the other one like she didn't make a, like didn't give a crap about the other album that i bought but the other album was the one that had like more like derogatory, derogatory stuff, on, stuff it. on it and everything and i just i just always kind of laughed about it when yeah. i listened to it i was like uh, she made fun of the. <laughs> she she up, like yeah. made shit about big the bad other one. voodoo daddy, which is just yeah. It's like, what is anybody doing? Listen to swing, but there was that weird swing revival. I love swing. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I'm sure. I don't really have a strong opinion about I, I was, it. I, I just, was, I was a ska guy. Yeah, I definitely had. I definitely was did some ska for sure, but I didn't do any like Brian Sensor, uh Brian Seltzer Orchestra. Yeah, yeah, I didn't do any of that. I mean, I've listened to the Stray Cats, but that's totally it's different. That's different. It's different. Same guy, different stuff. Exactly. Anyway, that was the music hour. Let's go ahead and get on to our Russell War 91 show. Mm -hmm. Tony Schiavone with narration over scenic video of yeah. Arizona. Some cactus. Cactus, desert, you know. Arizona stuff. Schiavone then welcomes us to the show from the stage, running down the card before sending it to Jim Ross and the American Dream, Dusty Death Rose, Rose. Uh, who are announcers for the evening. We didn't get any. We you didn't get any like CGI doo doo this time. I was kind of hoping like maybe I'll get because we've had a lot of that lately. That was just mountain madness. Those but the there mountains, was some man. other ones. That, well, there was like Halloween Havoc where we had like the weird haunted house and stuff. And the logo here's not great. Like that original Wrestle War one where it's like the banjo with uh, 
I think they were in Nashville, so it makes sense. But it was like the banjo with like the spikes on it that I really loved. So this show happened exactly like 35 days after the Royal Rumble, mm-hmm. which was the last time that we saw Dusty Rhodes. Yes. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, that's true. He's, but he's he back. Had, uh, his contract had run out in the WWF, and he had been hired to come back to WCW as the head booker. Ooh. We gonna see some dusty finishes? I bet we would. <laughs> oh yes, sir. So let's head off right to that first match of the night. We got Big Cat and the State Patrol mm. of Lieutenant James Earl Wright and Sergeant Buddy Lee Parker. Yes. Versus Wildfire Tommy Rich, mm-hmm. Ricky Morton, and Junkyard Dog for the WCW World Six Man Tag Team Championships. So, new tag belts-ish? The six-man championships were so new they that didn't have Rich them. Morton and JYD, who had won the titles the week before, didn't even have their belts to wear out. Oh, my gosh. So, uh, State Patrol? Yeah. Okay. So, Buddy Lee Parker it goes on to become a trainer at the power plant, and known as Sarge. And he's one of the main guys that worked at the power plant and trained all the guys at, for WCW. That's cool. That's basically his claim to fame. Yeah. The other two guys, nothing really. What, Big Cat? <laughs> also, uh, this Tommy Rich, Ricky Morton, JYD thing, like... Why not? I, feel, I just kind of feel bad for Ricky Morton. <laughs> eh, you know. But, like, whatever. I mean, it's just, it's just kind of... It's just a weird group of guys. Everything about this first match... I mean, they created is, a six-man tag... Belt and so you gotta have you gotta have at least uh, three, six guys, six guys to go against each other. Exactly. So that belt means anything at all. Match gets started. JYD and Big Cat help us confirm that cats and dogs don't get along. Oh my god! Thank you. Piece with them, of shit. With them <laughs> hitting right hands to stagger the other. Uh, Dog ducks a clothesline, comes off the ropes with a clothesline of his own before hitting a headbutt. JYD and Morton with double team back elbows on right. The lieutenant's running the ropes, and Ricky with a leapfrog, a hip toss, some arm drags, and a Japanese arm drag. How much different is the Japanese arm drag? It's over the head instead yeah, of to over the, the side. side. Yeah, I, know, I guess. Like, like, sure. I guess in Japan they just uh, are better at jumping. Are they technically <laughs> but, Japanese? Who knows? <laughs> Morton and Rich with a double team clothesline on right. Lieutenant tosses Tommy to the ropes and goes for a body slam, but Rich floats over. Hitting a body slam of his own. Looks to hit an elbow, but Wright moves. But Tommy sees him move. Lieutenant thinks he's outsmarted Rich, but Tommy follows with an arm drag into an arm lock. But Wright escapes with an eye rake and a scoop slam. Parker's in with a missed elbow drop. Rich with another arm drag into an arm lock. Tommy's running the ropes and Sarge goes for a hip toss, but is blocked and reversed by Rich. Followed by another arm drag. Arm drag city. It's wildfire. What do you yeah. expect? He is kind of the king of the arm drag. Right? Is, it, is it insofar as he does it a lot? <laughs> yes. That's the, <laughs> yeah. that's the reason. Yeah, he's, he's not Ricky Steamboat. <laughs> Morton reverses a Parker Irish whip who hits an inverted atomic drop. Wright comes in, but Ricky turns him around, hitting an atomic drop to send him to the floor. And Sarge comes charging in for a Morton arm drag. JYD with a snapmare, headbutt on Parker. The two thick daddies are back in with Dog challenging Cat for a test of strength, but JYD hits a headbutt to the gut, 
followed by a uh, falling headbutt. You know how much I love the headbutt, right? You do love the headbutt. You know what I hate? Headbutt to the gut. Headbutt to the gut. Headbutt to the back. I believe... We see some later. Okay, it's... it's, it's, it's oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. It may not be in this match, but there's some later. Jesus. What is What good is that? Just stomp him, right? They have to do anything else. More Kiss head- him. <laughs> like, it's, that's, it'd, be, it'd probably be more effective in throwing him off his game than headbutting his back. <laughs> we get more headbutts by the dog, but an eye rake, clubbing forearm across the back to knock JYD down, followed by an elbow drop by the big cat. Sarge is throwing right hands at JYD, who no-sells them all. Mm. Morton's running the ropes, but Wright gets a knee to the back, allowing the state patrol to hit a jumping headbutt into a backbreaker for a two-count, which is a pretty cool move. Oh, yeah, it was, it was a nice little setup. State patrol with a double shoulder block on Ricky. Sarge with a drop-toe hold, followed by a big cat elbow drop for a near fall. Big cat with a drop kick and a headbutt. And this is where JR tells us that Arn Anderson's hurt, so he won't be able to compete with the horsemen in war games, but he will be on the outside. So Larry Zabisco will be replacing him. Was Arn actually hurt? I think so. Yeah, I don't, yeah. I don't it's know. It's like, why else were you putting Larry I don't know Zabisco? really why there's a storyline reason. Yeah. Big Cat still on the attack with a body slam, goes for an elbow drop, but Morton moves out of the way. Ricky and Sarge trading blows until Parker hits a power slam for a two count. State Patrol hit a battering ram, a bulldog, and an elbow drop for a near fall. Double team backbreaker, backdrop, followed by a double elbow drop by the patrol on Morton. I'm going to say, State Patrol, I don't know if we ever see them ever again. Yeah. But they actually have some pretty good double team yeah, offense. It's not bad. Match. I mean, it's like one of those things, like, if they weren't good, that guy wouldn't be training people, you know. That's true. For, for like, you know, the major- the rest of his life or whatever. Yeah, no, I was surprised, too. I was like... State Patrol is a pretty lame gimmick. I mean, but when they came out, I was like, okay, we're going to have a little squash match here. Jeremy I did, too. going to throw yeah. a headbutt. Mm-hmm. Morton's going to do something. Wildfire's going to hit his Thez press, and we'll be done. Yeah. Cool opening starting match. This went a lot longer than I thought it was going to, but it went. It worked for the most, most part. Yeah, yeah. I mean, State Patrol is not the biggest problem. <laughs> it's not the biggest problem. My dog is probably the biggest problem. Dogs and cats should not work uh, sh- together. No, I don't believe so. Big Cats with a face plant tosses Ricky to the ropes, who comes back with a crossbody. But the cat catches him and hits a backbreaker. Cat a draw- cat breaker. A cat-, <laughs> cat draws Rich in with a punch, allowing his team to triple team Morton right with an Irish whip and charges in. But Ricky moves, allowing him to make the hot tag. JYD in with right hands, headbutts to the State Patrol. Big thump to Parker. Mm, big old thump. Goes for the cover, but Big Cat breaks up the pin. Jump. Everybody's jumping in the ring. Rich goes after the lieutenant. Dog's hitting Cat out of the ring, and Morton <laughs> jumps on the top of Sarge for the pin. And, and the, the win. The dog cat stuff is very funny to me. <laughs> I mean, I mean, you can't you not. You can't. You got to do it. So, have you ever seen? Did you realize that JYD does the big thump on Parker? Which yeah. is the big power slam. Mm-hmm. He does Covers that. him. Yes. Gets up because the pins broke up. And Morton just runs in, pins, and gets the win. He's not the legal Yeah, man. I know, I know. It's... I was just like, what? Maybe, like, we needed ten minutes of rules to tell us how the six, <laughs> how the six-man division works since it's so new. Maybe. 
Tony, uh, Tony, Tony on line one. Yeah, even in my notes it says six six man's got different rules? Question mark. But yeah, I noticed that for sure. Because it was it was it wasn't one of those things where it was like so messy that like like wait a second, who was the who was legal? Sometimes that happens no, where you'll point it out and I'll be like, oh, he what? just tried to make the pin. <laughs> I know. It's... And then Morgan runs in and makes the pin. I love it. Tony Schiavone's then on the stage with Alexandra York and Terry Taylor. And Terry Al- Taylor this time. Terry Taylor this time, exactly. <laughs> Alexander says, we're always looking for new wrestlers in the York Foundation. This is where I raise and, my hand. And Mr. Taylor will beat Z-Man in less than 15 minutes and 28 seconds. And the computers uh, did a good work last time, right? It did work last time for Wall Street. Mm-hmm. Will it work for Taylor? Taylor predicts pain. Oh, his or Z-Man's? I, I assume for Z-Man. Yeah, I think so too. So we're headed off to our second match of Brad Armstrong versus Bobby Eaton. JR mentions Armstrong's younger brothers fighting over in Operation Desert Storm. Mm-hmm. A.K.A. Road Dog Jesse James. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. There's, there's a lot of Armstrongs, right? There are a lot of Armstrongs. As Bobby comes out, we get some really weird piped-in Bobby chants. Okay, I thought it was weird. I was like, I people... Chant. I was like, I even I wrote down. I was like, I was like, like I was Bobby like, Bobby Eaton Goldberg. Yeah, it was like no. Bobby Eaton chant, and then I was like, ADR question mark. I was like, that's totally ADR. Active. Yeah, it's pretty funny. It also, was... he they say beautiful Bobby from the dark side. Yeah, Midnight Express has always been from uh, the dark side. From the dark side. Oh, okay. So that that didn't shock me at all. But... Okay, I just guess I didn't. I never. If I, yeah, didn't, I didn't, didn't, didn't stick to my brain. I guess. Well, we've been doing this for a year. But I don't feel there's nothing dark side is weird because they don't have like they don't see me. They're not they're heels. They're shitheads, but they're not evil. Eaton attacks from behind as the bell rings, starts running the ropes. Armstrong with a head scissors takedown, a drop kick, and an arm drag into an arm lock. Bobby backs Brad in, into a corner, hitting a chop to escape, and goes for an Irish whip, but Armstrong reverses and falls with a monkey flip and an arm drag. Eaton escapes again with a knee before tossing Brad to the outside and follows out to attempt to slam Armstrong's head into the guardrail, but is blocked, reversed, and then Bobby's head is slammed into the ring post. Posted. The two men start shoving each other as tempers flare, and they do a test of strength, which Eaton has the best of to start, but Armstrong climbs Bobby to leap over him. Mm, so fun. Jumps to the second rope and comes off with a crossbody. For a near fall, and then hits another arm drag into an arm lock. If you're gonna go into an arm lock, do all that. Other do all do first. all that really cool stuff first, please, and thank you. Also, there's a during this match, they're talking about you know what's what's happening and uh, tonight. And Dusty says he feels like uh, someone will win a major singles title tonight. And I just wrote, don't you don't you book this? <laughs> aren't you aren't you the book of man? I know. I was like. I, I know what happens in the future a little bit with Bobby Eaton. Yeah. And I'm like, well, way, what, what? To, way to put him over, Dusty. Yeah, yeah. I, would, I mean, I, I would like, I would have liked for you to do that. I'm, I'm, all, I'm all about some singles, Bobby. I am too. Again, Eaton escapes, slams Brad's head on the turnbuckle, goes for a slingshot suplex, but Armstrong floats over and hits a vertical suplex of his own. Back to an Armstrong arm wrench. Jason Hervey is shown in the crowd. The return, the triumphant return of the Herve. As Brad goes for an O'Connor roll, but Bobby holds onto the ropes, turns, and hits a clothesline. 
Eaton hits a backbreaker, a body slam, an elbow drop, as great Muda is shown watching the show. And JR mentions Muda will face Sting in the big WCW New Japan Super Show, which we're going to cover in two weeks. Yeah, I'm really kind of excited for that one. Sounds something different. Could be very fun. Yeah. Armstrong finally escapes a reverse chin lock, but Bobby continues the attack with a slingshot backbreaker and applies the chin lock back. Brad looks to escape, but Eaton hits a back elbow to knock Armstrong to the floor. Bobby follows out, picks Brad up, and drops him chest first on the guardrail. Back in the ring, Eaton locks on the abstretch, using the ropes as leverage until the ref catches him and forces him to break. Bobby, with an Irish whip, charges in with a Bronco Buster, but Armstrong moves. Brad, with a dropkick, Russian leg sweep, goes for the cover, but Eaton gets his foot on the rope. Armstrong, with the Irish whip, ducks his head, allowing Bobby to hit a swinging neckbreaker. Eaton goes to the top rope, hits the Alabama Jam <sighs> for the pin and, and the, the win. win. Good stuff. You know, did you notice the metal dudes in the, like, Second or third row on the, like the hard cam or whatever. I didn't. Oh, there's like three dudes that are like metal dudes throughout the show that are pretty fun to watch. Uh, one of them gets pretty drunk later and is just you know yelling, standing up and yelling. It's a good time. I do like Dusty like messing with Jr. about going to Japan. He's like, "I'll take you some sushi, some sake." He's like, and then he makes reference to you know taking him to some prostitutes or whatever like he did it's not a it's very implied and then jr says in oklahoma we call sushi bait and i was like you fucking <laughs> fucking fucking hill fucking hillbilly <laughs> oh that's hilarious <laughs> yeah i was like you fucking fucking hillbilly god damn you jr we then get an ad for super Bowl. And then JR and Dusty preview the next match. Headed off to that third match, we got Miss A. Miss A. And Mika Honda versus Mami Kitamura and Itsuki Yamazaki. You did a pretty good job. I think it's, is it, I think you, I think you basically nailed it. Thanks. Yeah. I, I tried. The first one is, I, I think, Mi, or Miki. Miki? Yeah. It might be. Maybe. I Last be time we saw Itsuki Yamazaki uh-huh. was as part of the Jumping Bomb Angels. The JBA. At Royal Rumble 1988, which is episode 16. But we also covered both of their matches on our Best of the 80s show, which was episode 40. So we are, we're fans. We are huge fans of the Jumping Bomb Angels. We're missing the other, the other, uh, the other angel, but I'd say that, you know... Ex- exposed, exposed, exposed to uh, something new that's also great. Exactly. All four ladies start brawling as the bell rings. Miss A and Honda, Irish Whip, Kitamura, and Yamasaki, who dosi do before hitting drop kicks. Also, I like that one of them came out with a kendo stick. Fun little touch. I don't feel like you saw kendo sticks. It, 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 we haven't seen this of our first kendo stick sighting. I it think. might be. Yeah. yeah. Yamazaki off the top rope with an arm drag of Miss A, jumps to the top rope again, hitting a sunset flip before ramming her into the turnbuckle. Kitamura's back body drop, body slammed by Honda. Miss A with a vertical suplex of Kitamura and starts working on the leg. Irish whips Kitamura to the corner, but she jumps to the second rope, coming off with a crossbody. Yamazaki with a flying forearm, a drop kick, hits a double underhook suplex of Miss A. For the two count. And like, 
I feel like these ladies are laying it in. Yes. Everything looks fucking awesome. It looks pristine. <laughs> it's so good. And I love is Miss A is the big heel, right? Yeah. Yeah. I I just she's got a good vibe. Everybody's got cool gear on too. It's not it's yeah, everyone's it's just it's just good. It's just it's just it's just good. Kitamura with a back suplex goes for the pin, but Honda breaks it up. Honda with a forearm of Kitamura goes to pick her up, but Kitamura cradles her for a near fall. Vertical suplex and a two count by Honda. Kitamura reverses an Irish whip and delivers a drop kick in the corner, followed by a bulldog. Yamazaki with a rolling headbutt, a gut wrench suplex. Mm, love a gut wrench. But Honda backs Yamazaki into the corner allowing Miss A to tag in and hit some massive kicks, switches legs, and hits some more <laughs> kicks. That's a, a baller move. We get a test of strength, but Yamazaki leaps to Miss A's shoulders and Sunset flips over for a near fall. There's something that I notice is like, oh, like the crowd is watching this very intently. You can just see it and feel it in the building where everybody's just like, kind of like, everybody's like, transfixed and like kind of jaw dropped like what are these women doing yeah it's like they don't know how to react but they know that they're seeing uh, something something. yeah it's like everybody's watching intently you can just see everybody just like kind of slack jawed and focusing we get a northern light suplex a back suplex from miss a a fisher woman suplex by honda on yamazaki a fisher woman suplex Kitamura gets knocked down with a double shoulder block by Miss A and Honda. They then hit a double team suplex, but right into her corner. So Yamazaki tags in and comes off the top rope with a double drop kick. Man, like the way that these girls lay into shit and like lay into the moves and sell and stuff makes everybody, like even some of the dudes, like look bad. Yeah. Because they like really lay in some shit. Let's just fucking talk about strong style. Miss A reverses an Irish whip, sending Yamazaki to the corner where she leaps to the second rope and comes off with a sunset flip, but can't quite get her overs until Kitamura comes off the top rope with a flying clothesline for the two count. Good way to good way to get it over. Yamazaki tosses Miss A to the corner, charges into a boot, and Miss comes out with a clothesline to knock her down for the pin, but Yamazaki gets her foot on the rope. Yamasaki's then tossed to the ropes, comes back with a wheelbarrow victory roll for the pin and, and the win. win. Dusty's then reviewing the playback. Yeah. And he calls them men. Oh. Okay. And also says that the sunset flip clothesline was the finish. Which it probably should have been. <laughs> yeah, it, was, it honestly should have been. Because it's really cool. Because it was a, yeah, it, like the final, like, couple moves it was kind of like oh what we're still going like, and it's like yeah like perfect I, I literally finish. i literally was watching it and she did the sun the sunset flip couldn't quite get her over and then they came off with the clothesline and, like, and oh, i literally shit. started i literally started writing for the pin and, and the win. and then i was like oh she she kicked out i was like backspace backspace, backspace, backspace. <laughs> this match Rules mega butt. Rules, yes. <laughs> I'm like, like, I don't know. Yeah, yeah. I don't know what to say. Is it just because it's completely different than everything else we see? Yeah, I mean, I think that's why we were so high on the Jumping Bomb Angels. But like this, it's just just as good as the greatest stuff that we that we watch. Like it's just it's it's good and it's all like smart. There's lots of high spots, but 
I feel like this might be a weird thing to say, but I feel like when people are uh, smaller, they can get away with doing more like high spots because the other person kind of like of weighs less. So like even like even if you're like not into like having everybody, you like a Jim Cornette would be like, you're doing too much shit. How's anybody gonna get over if you're just like spamming all this hot shit all the time? But I feel like when the people that are doing it are smaller, like smaller people, like your cruiser cruiser weights yeah. or your women, like that are just going to be smaller than like you know six foot fucking four men. You can do that in a way that's not. Is that's, a top that, rope, that, would you rather watch a chop rope crossbody or a reverse chin lock? Exactly. And it's like the I could under. We I know feel, what Jim Cornette's answer is. He wants the chin lock. Yeah, he wants the chin lock for a really long time, and then yeah, yeah. and I, I understand it. I understand his logic in uh, a lot of ways. And looking at it from that point of view, I feel like I feel like that the cruiserweights and these uh, women can get away with doing that stuff and still and not feeling like stupid or cheap to just like do flippy stuff. I agree. Completely. But so it's cool, and like there was everything about this match fucking rules. It's like oh, add it to the short list. It's, it's right, on right the next, list. right next to Sean, the Rockers and uh, Orient and Express. Express. Those Japanese, maybe it's something in the water. Because <laughs> I mean, damn. Tony Schiavone's then on the stage with Missy Hyatt, and Hyatt says she's tried many times to go into the locker room to get an interview, and tonight she's going to. She doesn't know who she's going to interview, but she's looking for a babe. Yeah. What kind of babe do you think she's looking for? Maybe like a strapping southern boy? Baby arm? I don't know. Oh, God. Okay. So we head right off to our fourth match. Oh, by the way, my notes for the Japanese match, the Japanese women's match, said basically a Young Bucks match. (laughs) 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 Just kind of a slight, uh, but, you know, a joke. Mostly just a joke. So we're headed off to that fourth match. We've got Nature Boy Buddy Landell versus Dustin Rhodes. Followed Daddy over to the yeah. WCW. Why wouldn't you? So do you think, when that when I saw this, I was like, oh, well, Dustin has to get over, right? Dad's booking. <laughs> I mean, there's probably a reason why Buddy Landell is his opponent. <laughs> yeah, it's like Buddy Landell ain't losing any, isn't, isn't going to uh, lose any of the heat that he doesn't have in, in 1991 exactly. here. Landale tries to intimidate early on with slaps, but Dustin with a back body drop and a drop kick to retaliate. I do like Buddy Landale coming out just being kind of a shit. I mean, that's his best best quality. Yeah. Buddy with chops in the corner, but Rhodes reverses and mounts him in the corner to hit a 10 count of elbows to the head, followed by a high hip toss and a clothesline for a two count. Arm drag into an arm lock to slow us down, but Landale escapes with a knee and hits a body slam before going to the top rope, but Dustin press slams him to the mat. Rhodes reverses an Irish whip, charges in, but Buddy moves, so Dustin goes shoulder, fo- goes shoulder, shoulder first. first into the ring post. Landell, working over the arm, goes for an Irish whip, but that is reversed and botched by Rhodes. So Buddy locks on the sleeper, but Dustin reverses it into a sleeper of his own, but Landell escapes by running Rhodes into the turnbuckle head first. Buddy, with another Irish whip, charges into a big boot from Dustin, who hits multiple clotheslines to send Landale to the outside. Rolling him back in, Rhodes with a press slam and a bulldog for the pin and the win. 
I uh, love, love, love that when he does the, like the mounted punches in the corner. It's elbows it's, instead it's, of punches. It's elbows instead of punches because he's a Rhodes. I really, really like that a lot. But yeah, glorified squash match. Yes. Did what he needed to do. Did, 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 did well. Dustin look great in this match? No. no. Did he look good? I mean, you For know, the most part. Yeah, I mean, like he's young and tall and uh, in shape, so he looks a little better than Buddy Landell. <laughs> like physically. Yeah. But you know. Tony Schiavone's then on the stage and sends it back to Missy Hyatt, who's outside the locker room, and she starts to she walks in to become the first woman in inside a wrestling locker room. I dash the yeah, first yeah, woman I am, inside mm, a locker yeah. room, and Stan Hansen's sitting there and he starts yelling at her immediately, <laughs> and she goes running, uh, and Missy sends it back to Tony, who is just laughing at the entire situation. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's pretty funny. Stan Hansen is probably not the kind of babe she was thinking about. Definitely not the babe she He's was thinking He's got the, the, you know, the chew and the dip spit going down Very his chest. It's, you know, it's it's gross. We love it. So we're headed but off Stan to Hansen, I just love him berating her. Who the hell are you? And he's just yelling nonsense at her. It's good. So we're headed off to that fifth match. We got the royal family of Jack Victory and Rip Morgan versus the Young Pistols of Steve Armstrong and Tracy Smothers. Oh, so the Southern Boys? The Southern Boys, yes. <laughs> they the changed Pist- their name. They're now a pair of cowboys yeah. instead of Southern Boys loving their flag. Yeah, it's whatever. I mean, I don't know. I think I don't know what name's better. Young Pistols isn't great. Southern, Southern boys, boys isn't great, great either. either. Yeah, for how cool they are, for how great they are. Like I mean, the Young Pistols, is probably a little bit better. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. Either you, way. You put anything with young in the name, and once they get old, it's, it's kind of ironic at that point. Yeah. Yeah, we're talking about you, young bucks. Oh, yeah, we're nearly like 40. Are they 40? Uh, no, they're not as old. I think they're about as old as you. Oh, okay. Or at least I mean, Matt is. I think Nick just turned 30, I think. Oh, really? That's young. Yeah. In the wrestling business. Well, yeah, it'll, when they... Like when the youngest one turns forty, maybe they'll just have to beat the Bucks. Yeah. The royal family is now doing some kind of arm loosening technique before the before the match gets started, but finally just attack the pistol. Like they're literally they're just like sitting there, like like shaking their arms to like. Oh, loose the, I was just like, I don't know what you're doing, but I don't recall. But they're getting booed by the crowd while they're doing it, and they're keep. St- it's kind of like what the Samoan SWAT team like. They used to have their like. Yeah. Ritual that they do. It's like these guys are doing this ritual, and they just keep getting booed by the crowd. And so, they, SWAT so they stop, cool. and, yeah. and they're like, and so they, and then they go back to it, and it's like, and they, keep people, they just never get it done. But they finally attack the pistols. Also, the uh, we didn't, I don't know if we talked about it, but the there's uh, two rings next to each other. We didn't talk about it. Because it's Wrestle War. But I, because it's War Games. War Games, yeah. Wrestle Rassel, War Games. But the, well, uh, this is the first time War Games has not been in a Great American Bash. Oh, okay. They moved it up to Wrestle War, which um, makes sense yeah, if you think about it. Yeah, totally. But uh, I just was saying that because I like that when they have the two rings next to each other, that every other match is in the opposite ring. Yeah. I think that's cool. It's good for the crowd. It's smart. Nobody gets ripped off. And I don't, I just, a weird thing, not a, just a thing I noticed. And I was like, oh, I like that. I mean, if you've noticed, no one has really used the two rings to their advantage. No. At all. No. 
the family Irish whip the pistols who do a dosey do, but the family hits stereo clotheslines and tosses Armstrong to the floor and begins double teaming Smothers with an Irish whip, charging in. But Tracy rolls out of the corner between them. Then Steve comes off the top rope with a crossbody to take everyone to the mat. Stereo drop kicks by the pistols to knock the royal family to the floor. And all of a sudden, the lights go out in the building. So they turn spotlights on to the ring. Yeah, I would, but they don't... It just happens, right? Yeah, I just... I remember just being like, what's the, what's the deal? Was that planned, do you think? No. I think the lighting and power, power just kind of went out, yeah. I mean, it is like the Arizona of like veterans, uh, you know fucking party ball yeah it's like a ballroom basically it's one of those venues that like doesn't exist anymore and you can tell that it's a piece of shit like then then. and it's one of those places where it's like ah i I would love to just see a show in one of those if there's any of those left today it just reminds me of like in oklahoma like the myriad where you're like damn state fair arena (laughs) yeah exactly it's like damn this thing's been busted for a while Myriad, rest in peace. First wrestling show I ever went. No, I guess the first wrestling show I went to as a wrestling fan was there. It was just a house show. It might have been the first one I ever went to too. Oh, uh, I think it was Gold Dust, Kane, Mick Foley, and Steve Austin in a four-way match. That's a pretty good main event. <laughs> yeah, for for a house show, it's like yeah, it's pretty good. I think I think I'm pretty sure it was those four. I know it was at least three of them. I know that I'm not so sure about Kane. But I know for a fact it was the other three. Morgan's working on the arm of Smothers, and Tracy escapes, and Irish whips rip to the corner, following in with a monkey flip, and the pistols with stereo drop kicks on the royal family to again knock them to the floor. Morgan with a body slam, victory with multiple shoulder blocks. Jack goes to toss Armstrong, who blind tags in Smothers, and the pistols hit double shoulder blocks on victory. A double arm wrench, a double chop by the pistols. Armstrong's running the ropes and ducks a clothesline from Jack, coming back with a flying shoulder block, but victory ducks. Royal family's working on Armstrong with right hands, back elbows, clubbing forearms. Victory with an Irish whip and charges into a boot from Steve, who then rolls to his corner for the hot tag. Smothers in with right hands to both Royals, super kicks to both, flying elbow to Morgan, is tossed to the ropes by Victory, where Rip gets a boot up into his back, and then Jack clotheslines him over the ropes to the floor. Morgan Over picks... the ropes to the floor? No one saw it, I guess. Mm. Morgan picks up Tracy and rams him back first into the ring post. Once back in the ring, Victory with right hands, elbows oh, he to was the posted. head. The royal family with clubbing forearms across the back. Morgan with a bear hug. Tracy escapes with some right hands and starts running the ropes, ducking a back elbow, but runs right into a spine buster from Rip. Royal family with a double back suplex, and Victory locks the bear hug back onto Smothers. Morgan slams Tracy's head into the turnbuckle. Irish whips him into a clothesline from Victory for a near fall. Rip with a back elbow on Smothers, while Jacko knocks Armstrong onto the rampway. The royal family go for a double vertical suplex, but Steve gets in the ring, drop-kicking victory so that they drop Tracy on top of Morgan for the pin and And the win. win. Tony Schiavone's then on the stage with Diamond Dallas Page. And the last time we saw DDP was at WrestleMania six, driving Rhythm and Blues to the ring. In his own personal Cadillac. 
in episode 44. He's now the manager of the Freebirds. Mm-hmm. And he says, Teddy Long can't match wits with me. And then talking about the uh, the crowd in Phoenix, he's like, these Copenhagen dipping, coupon clipping, <laughs> draft beer drinking rednecks called Teddy Peanut Head. It's quite obvious that he's got that little mind. This, this uh, DDP promo is really good. I enjoyed it. Yeah, I liked it a lot. Long then runs out of the stage and says that Doom will win, and they are not splitting because homie don't play that. Oh, that, how many houses, like, he paid for his house with homie don't play that. I hope so. Where's Teddy Long these days? Somewhere, like, just in the, like, crunching numbers in Connecticut? Uh, is he Probably. retired at uh, home? Just waiting on his, is he already in, he's already in the Hall of Fame, right? I think so. Yeah, you'd I'm imagine, sure. you'd imagine he already is. Maybe if not, not if he not, he's just a manager and a GM. I don't know if they've put him in or not. Yeah, if, if not, he's waiting on the call. But. Oh yeah, he'll be one of those like fifth guy on the on the on the list of guys to go in one year. Yeah, yeah. Like, oh, who else can we do? Hopefully, he gets in before he. Well, he's not that old. He might be in his seventies at this point. Oh really? I figured he'd be like sixty or something. I mean, that's still old, but. We head off to our sixth match of Terry Taylor with Alexandra York versus Z-Man in a no-disqualification match. And JR tells us the two of them have had a series of matches with no clear winner, as they have each been disqualified in each in one of those matches. So that's the reason for the no-disqualification mm-hmm. stipulation. Taylor's taken down with a hip toss and a drop kick, gets up and starts shoving Z-Man. But Zink responds with a slap to the face. Terry goes out to go over the game plan again with Alexandria. Taylor back in, hits a right hand, but turns around to celebrate. So when he turns back around, Z-Man with a right hand of his own, and again, Terry's out to the floor to regroup. Multiple headlock takedowns by Z-Man, but Taylor keeps working, rolling Zink onto his shoulder for near falls. More stalling from Terry, but once back in the ring, it seems like Taylor finally has a game plan until a back body drop by Z-Man and back into the side headlock. Terry backs Z-Man to the corner, hits a headbutt, and Irish whips Zink chest first into the corner, following with a back suplex. Nice little combo. We're then shown Nikita Koloff in the crowd. Yeah, it's cool. Taylor and Z-Man are out on the floor and... Terry rams Z-Man's head into the guardrail, begins to choke him with the camera cord. Back in the ring, we get a gut-wrenched backbreaker by Taylor and goes for the pin, but Z-Man gets his boot on the ropes. Z-Man's tossed the ropes, comes back with a sunset flip, and Terry stays up, tries to reach for the ropes, but Zink finally completes it for a two-count. Taylor comes back with a clothesline, a reverse chin lock, and then we're shown Hiro Matsuda, in the crowd, who used to be the manager of Ric Flair when uh, they yeah. were the Yamasaki Corporation instead of the <laughs> Four Horsemen. Yeah. We didn't, did we even see any of that? We saw like one show. That Stark, first arcade probably. Yeah, something like that. Terry tosses Z-Man to the ropes, misses a back elbow, so Zink turns and clotheslines Taylor to the floor. Z-Man's dragged out to the floor and the two men start trading right hands until Terry slams Zink's face into the guardrail. 
Back in the ring, Taylor with a knee drop. Irish whip that's reversed, but Terry comes out of the corner with a clothesline. Another toss to the ropes, and Terry ducks his head, allowing Z-Man to hit a swinging neckbreaker. A super kick goes for the cover, but Terry with a foot on the ropes. Z-Man with a power slam. Taylor grabs Zink's boot, but Z-Man responds with an enziguri. Zink goes to the top rope, comes off with a crossbody, but York is up on the apron, distracting the ref, so no count. Z-Man starts arguing with the ref, so Taylor with a small package, grabbing the tights, for the pin, and, and the, the win. win. Post-match, Alexandria is in the ring with Z-Man after he punches Terry to the floor. And Zink's about to grab York when Taylor comes in from behind. But Z-Man ducks a clothesline and hits an atomic drop to send Terry over the ropes to the floor. Yep, the computer man of the 1990s pulled it off. It's actually what they called it. I know. <laughs> it's crazy. What a weird <laughs> thing to say. I'm, I'm not using that as a. Yeah, it's <laughs> like that's yeah, it's like yeah. Oh, he's the computer man of the 1990s. Okay, it was good. I feel like it was a little, a little longer than it needed to be, but. Jr. and Dusty then preview the next match, and Dusty puts over El Gigante. Oh yeah, he says he's been training because we all know that all he could do before was stand, and it's been a little while. We haven't seen him, so maybe uh, you know. Maybe he'll be able to do something in the near future. Anything at all. So we're headed off to the danger zone. Polly dangerously comes out looking. Polly's pit <laughs> comes out looking like a maitre d from Taco Bueno. Yes, he does. He's he's wearing like a sombrero, sombrero, a like red cape. Yeah, does he have like fancy pants on? Yeah, he looks like a waiter from El Chico. It looks like he's uh, dressed in his in his bullfighting vest. Yes. And Paulie takes the mic and says, good news. I've got a lot of racist shit to say. This is the danger zone. <laughs> Bad news. Uh-huh. I work undercover for immigration. <laughs> and all you illegal aliens that smuggled across the border are mm. all under arrest tonight. Oh, my God. He then introduces El Gigante. Well, he... Also, just says some stuff, but he said velvet paintings, and I was like, I didn't realize that was something that was uh, was was stereotyped with, with the Mexican community because velvet paintings are cool. But yeah, he says velvet paintings and beans and all other kinds of crap like that. But I velvet paintings was the one that took me back. I was like, I don't know, I just thought that was kind of like a stoner thing. After he introduces El Gigante, Paul E calls him a big bull, starts waving his cape around to like yeah, which is taunt him, taunt him. Dangerously just continues to be very racist, uh, calls El Gigante a jerk. which it Gives him shit for not being able to speak English. Which He says something about El Gigante was signed to be a special ref in a match between Flair and Sting. Wasn't ever really expounded on during the show, so yeah. I'm not sure. I hope that doesn't happen. Uh, El Gigante goes, no habla English. <laughs> yeah. So Paul E. throws his sombrero on... Into El Gigante's face, and the giant picks him up for a body slam, puts the sombrero on, and walks to the back. It's kind of it was fun. Uh, the uh, I think Polly made a joke about Latin guys liking big butts, which I thought was pretty funny. They can't lie. <laughs> yeah, it is. It is what it is. Tony Schiavone's then on the stage with Hiro Matsuda and Great Muda, and they're talking about the Super Show. Which yeah. again, we'll cover There's in two 50, weeks. Like 50,000 people waiting. 
and that will be the, at the, the Tokyo, Tokyo Dome. Tokyo Egg Dome. They keep calling it the Egg Dome. I don't know if that was a thing they called it back then, but... It looks like an egg from the outside. Yeah, yeah. Matsuda repeats 50,000 people multiple times while Muda mm-hmm. looks asleep until he sprays green mist Yeah, I love that the just the, when he... It looks like he's, like, closing off one thing in his throat to, like, open a, a secret, like, venom sack in his neck. Just, like, the, the whole... The whole production is great. Headed off to the seventh match, we got Stan, the Lariat Hansen. Hell yeah. Versus Big Van Vader. Uh, still with his super cool mask, and like he's getting pyro, and, and it's cool. He just looks so cool. By the way, Vader had regained the IWGP Heavyweight Championship. Oh, really? About a month prior to this show. Of course, they don't make any mention of it, but... No, it I want to know. I'm glad you told me. Interesting. Hansen charges at Vader while he's still on the rampway, so Vader picks him up into a bear hug and pulls him out onto the ramp. Brawling on the ramp, we got Chops, a short arm lariat by Hansen. They're falling back in the ring, and Vader's head is slammed into the turnbuckle, but he retaliates with a clothesline, an Irish whip, following in with a splash in the corner and an elbow drop. Hansen's tossed to the floor, and Vader follows out with an elbow off the apron. Stan kicks Vader in the midsection. We got chops, but another clothesline by Vader to regain control. After rolling in, we got big right hands and Irish whip to the corner, and Vader charges in, but Hansen moves, getting Vader up for a belly-to-back suplex for a two-count. Some big boys. Elbow drop by Stan, kicks Vader to the floor and follows out, grabs a crate from under the announce table. <laughs> it's got, like, stuff in it, I think, too. But it's like your plastic, like, square, like, milk, quote, uh, milk quote unquote, milk crate. Hits Vader, but Vader then grabs a chair and slams it across Hanson's head. And they're basically, like, right on, like, JR and Polly. Like, they're, like, right behind him. And they don't like it too much. <laughs> no, <they> do <laughs> you not. can tell that they're pretty uh, upset about it. Stanson finds a chair and returns the blow all while around the announce table. So Dusty and JR are worried for their safety. The men start brawling on the inside until they make it make their way back out to the floor. And Vader drops Hanson gut first across the guardrail hmm. and follows with an elbow drop. Vader goes back in the ring, continuously kicking Stan every time he attempts to roll in. So finally Hanson just drags Vader back out to the floor by his boots. Stan's ramming Vader's head into the wooden steps, a jumping knee drop before rolling back in. The two men start throwing forearms, headbutts, and the ref's trying to break it up a little oh, bit. Oh, yeah. It's, each getting, it's man, getting brawly. Each man just shoved Randy Anderson out of the way. And was it was it Randy Anderson? Yep, it was Pee Wee Anderson. Oh, okay. I always think, I just think Pee Wee. So I was like, that's Pee Wee. But no, it's Randy, Randy Pee Wee Anderson. The ref can't get control of the match, so he calls for the bell, and the ref does the double disqualification. Post-match, Vader knocks Hanson down, goes to the top rope, and comes off with a flying clothesline. Goes for a Vader splash, but Stan moves. Hanson then hits a football tackle, mm-hmm. grabs his bull rope, and starts choking Vader, tossing him over the ropes to the rampway. Rough. Vader finally escapes the bull rope and wraps it around Stan's head and starts leading him back to the locker room by the rope. Yeah, it takes a little longer than it should, but... The two men just continue uh, brawling all the way up the rampway. We go to an ad for Super Brawl again. We come back to JR and Dusty, Mm -hmm. and they start previewing the next match. 
and they they're like they're still brawling up on the, <laughs> hey, up on on the stage. It's that they get they got that that uh, they're used to those those Japanese shows, and it makes sense. The DQ is fine here because it's like oh like yeah, Vader's well, guys need a win. Vader's a champion, and well, like you know, just make them just continue to make the make sure everybody knows they're badass. Pretty much, exactly. they did that. So we're headed to our eighth match, Dangerous Dan Spivey. Yep. No, versus... no, drop the extra N and the Y. Exactly. He's Dan Spivey. Versus Lex Luger for the WCW United States Heavyweight Championship. Yep. Dan Spivey's worked on at least doing crazy eyes, showing some kind of emotion. <laughs> He's got some crazy eyes to start this match. So the two men lock up multiple times with no one gaining advantage. Well, also, they let us know that there's a new belt. Coming. Yes. After the match. Coming after the match, there's a new belt. So the two men lock up multiple times with no one gaining advantage until a cheap shot by Spivey goes for an Irish whip, but Luger reverses and hits a back body drop, starts running the ropes, and hits multiple shoulder tackles before hitting a clothesline. Dangerous Dan comes back with a knee lift, forearms across the back, goes for a back suplex, but Lex reverses it into one of his own. Spivey, with an Irish whip, charges into a big boot from Luger, who follows out with a series of right hands to knock Danny down. Uh, JR starts his football talk, but Dusty lets him know, we're in a different league right now. And I really appreciated you, Dusty Rhodes, the American Dream, for, you know, cutting off the boy, for doing the thing that I find annoying. Hip toss, Lex goes for a crossbody, but Spivey ducks, and Luger goes flying over to the other ring. Danny brings Lex back into the correct ring with a vertical suplex. Hits a horrible-looking tombstone pile driver. Mm, it is bad. And a neckbreaker for a two-count. Spivey snaps the neck, hits a DDT, using the ropes to choke Luger. But Lex starts firing back, but a headbutt by Danny regains control. It's weird that Danny's getting big boy moves over on Lex. Dangerous Dan with an Irish whip follows in with the clotheslines, another Irish whip, and charges in, but Luger moves and cradles Spivey for a near fall. Lex blocks a vertical suplex attempt and reverses it into one of his own, but Luger can't take advantage as Spivey is up first, who body slams Lex and goes to the top rope for an elbow drop for a two count. Swinging neckbreaker by Danny locks on a very loose head scissors before hitting a big boot and then another pile driver for another near fall. Lex starts lugering up. Uh-huh, you gotta luger up. Starts no-selling left hands from Spivey, firing up with right hands of his own, but a knee lift and a belly-to-belly suplex keep Danny in control. I know, it's like, I'm like, are they truly building Dan Danny Spivey? It feels that way. Yeah, I mean... They're doing a pretty good job of it at the moment, I feel like. Minus, you know, the weak-ass head scissors and that first bad pile driver. But he's still getting in, getting shit in on Lex. We got a reverse chin lock, but Luger keeps his arm up on the third try to let everyone know that he's ready. Escapes with elbows to the gut, but Spivey hits a Japanese arm drag, a shoulder tackle. Starts running the ropes when Lex catches him and flapjacks him right across the top rope. Luger with right hands to knock Danny down and goes to the second rope, hitting a flying clothesline. Power slam and goes for a cover, but Spivey kicks out, knocking Lex to the apron. You know, I was talking about the metal guys. 
Mm-hmm. Like, there's a, one of the metal guys and this guy in a red shirt are pretty pissed. They do not like that Spivey's getting this shit in on. You can, they're they're right there, center of the center of the screen. But it's just really fun to see them get into it because they're the only ones. <laughs> like the only ones reacting. I mean, people to this are match. into it. Like you know, I I don't think this match is terrible or anything. It is interesting, that's for sure. Luger with a shoulder block goes for a sunset flip, but Spivey holds onto the ropes to stay up and punch down. Gotta stay up. Double KO after each man hits a clothesline. They're throwing hands on their knees, but fatigue setting in when they run into each other with shoulder tackles. I love when two guys are just on their knees punching each other. Lex is up first and climbs to the top rope, but Spivey meets him up there for a press slam. But Luger rolls through for a small package for the pin and, and the, the win. win. They almost had me. I was like watching it for us. Like, are they really going to Spivey? No. It's like Luger. Did Luger do anything in this match? No. Dan Spivey did everything in the match. That's why he won on a roll up. I was just kind of like, eh. It's like, is Luger hurt? I mean, if he was I mean, hurt, he's he was taking, hurt, he's, he's not. Taking, yes, he's, he's taking, taking he's, huge bumps. Yeah, it's like the, if he was hurt, he probably wouldn't be taking, you know, DDT and multiple pile drivers. <laughs> like, I was just like, okay, maybe Lex is just you know kind of kind of bummed. I'd be kind of bummed if I was Lex too. Facing Dan Spidey. Uh, well, yeah, but I mean, just you know, he had those great flare matches, and he, at one point they could have pulled the trigger on him, and they never and they didn't. Shivani's then on the stage with Nikita Koloff and Grizzly Smith. Who's Grizzly Smith? Grizzly is the father of Jake Roberts, Sam Houston, and oh, Rockin' Robert. Cool. Did not know that. He has other issues that we won't talk about. Really? Bad guy? If you want some uh, rumor in any window, you mm-hmm. can listen to the Jake Snake Roberts uh, uh, podcast with uh, Bruce Prichard. Okay. I won't talk about it. Okay. Oh, yeah. He's just a bad guy. He liked the he, oh, he liked the young lady. Oh, never mind. Yes, yes. Uh, I it's all coming back to me now. Kind of wish it didn't. I do like the Nikita Koloff on a lighter note. He's wearing a do rag. It's fun. He's wearing a suit and like a do rag, and it's like the man is so so big and mean. He can pull anything off. So they're there to present a new U.S. title belt to Luger. Koloff congratulates Lex on an outstanding match and takes the belt out of a briefcase. Mm-hmm. But then smashes the belt right across Luger's head. That's how you start a feud. Tony asks Nikita, why? And then Nikita gives us an incredible promo. Starts screaming, for two years I've seen these titles switch hands back and forth. I said to myself, there "There is one title you have never had. So I talked to the championship committee. They said you have been gone for two Two years. years. So prove to us that you are championship material. There's the proof. Luger laying there. The man who stole the belt from me four Four years years ago. Great. Great stuff. It's kind of like, you know, it's the same idea as Terry Funk's, you know. It's the same thing, basically. It's it's wrestling, baby. That's what you're supposed to do. It's just, it's fun that Dusty has done a callback to a storyline that he did four when he was years. yeah with the company before and it's like left. four years ago but for some reason it feels right it's like oh Nicole, Nikita Koloff's a badass motherfucker Lex Luger's a badass motherfucker it's cool I mean I'm all in for it all in for it yeah completely 
So our ninth match, we got the fabulous Freebirds of Michael P.S. Hayes and Jimmy Jam Garvin with Diamond Dallas Page and the Diamond Dolls. Oh yeah, there's a, there's a lot of dolls. There's at least two that walk out now. There'll be some more that walk out here in a minute. Okay. Versus Doom of Ron Simmons and Butch Reed with Teddy Long. DDP takes the mic saying he can't be everywhere all the time. So he introduces the Freebirds' new road boss, Big Daddy Dink. Like, the guy looks like a hell's angel. But Big Daddy Dink? Couldn't think of a better last word. Well, it's Oliver Humperdink. Oh, shit, it is Oliver Humperdink. Now I feel like an idiot. Why did, Why does he look... It's like you put him in a leather jacket and he looks like kind of a biker now. He looks like You've a biker basically now. seen him in a Hawaiian shirt. Yeah. And something else, I can't remember. Uh, but. Well, I didn't even fucking notice. Because I'm used to the hair and the thing. But yeah, he's obviously Humperdink. Did he have glasses on? Yes. Okay, well, I'm giving myself a little bit more of a pass there. But Dink. Big, well, let's I, call him Big Daddy Hump. Uh, big I mean, Daddy, big Daddy both, Ding's probably a little bit better. <laughs> I mean, they're both bad. But you you can make up make up whatever name you want. It's true, you can. But the last time we saw Oliver Humperdink was Capital Combat, which was episode 45. What was he doing there? Uh, I believe he was Samoan Swat. Oh, yeah, Samoan Swat. Yeah, that sounds about right. Or no, that was, he was with Bam Bam Bigelow. Oh, okay. Cool. Yeah. But he did manage Swat Team as well. He did okay. for a little bit. Simmons uses his power early on to throw haste to the mat. We get clubbing forearms, Irish whips, locks on a bear hug, followed by a spine buster. Another Irish whip, and Ron charges in, and we get a classic PS left jab, followed by a bulldog. Hayes with chops goes for an Irish whip, but Simmons reverse, hitting a power slam when Garvin comes flying off the top rope. So Ron catches him and hits another power slam. Is that the spot where, like, the camera's, like, pretty far in on the shot? So, like, he just comes, like, into the screen, yes. and you're like, wait, what? <laughs> like, yeah. You you have no idea, and he just bursts into the screen. We get free birds suck chants. Yeah. Because. I think that of all the chants, I think that if I could go back in time and be like, oh, being part of a free bird suck chant would probably be pretty fun. I feel like that's a good one. I mean, next time you see Michael Hayes, you just start... Yeah, when am I going to see Michael Hayes? Anytime you go to a Raw or SmackDown, probably. Uh, oh, like where? I'm not. I'm not in the back. I got, I got thirty dollars tickets. Why not just start start the chant anyway? Oh yeah, because <laughs> I'm sure that most people in that arena wouldn't even know who the Freebirds were. I mean, that's how we got to know Eddie. Oh yeah, Jimmy Jam calls out Reed, so Butch tags in. And we get a flurry of offense from Garvin until a clothesline from Reed. Butch tosses Jimmy to the ropes, misses a back elbow, and Garvin comes back with a sunset flip for a two count. Reed press slams Hayes. Jimmy Jam runs in and is about to be press slammed as well. P.S. with another left jab for Garvin to land on top for a near fall. Butch with a backbreaker on Jimmy. Double underhook suplex. Rams Garvin's head into Simmons' boot. We get a double-team back elbow by Doom, and Ron with a leg drop. Headbutts to the small of Jimmy's back before throwing him to the floor. Reed continues the attack on the outside with a body slam, stomps before rolling Garvin back in. We get another head-to-boot from Doom, and Butch tosses Jimmy to the ropes, but ducks his head, allowing Garvin to hit a DDT, but he's unable to make the pin. 
Simmons with a spine buster goes for the cover, but Hayes makes the save. Power slam, and again, P.S. makes the save. Doom's beating on Hayes, dink up on the apron, so Long tosses Reed F.O. While Simmons holds on to P.S. Like some brass brass knuckles? Brass knuckles. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's definitely an F.O., but it's not like the like fork covered in tape or whatever. Simmons is holding on to P.S., and Butch comes in with the right the right hand wrapped with the brass knucks, but Hayes moves, and it knocks Ron out. Oh, poor Ron. Big poor Daddy Ronnie. Dink then pushes Garvin on top of Simmons for the pin, and, and the win. win. Fun little finish. And new! I mean, I hate to see Doom lose here, but at least the finish was fun. Post-match, mm-hmm. JR's telling us that there's issues in the ring. When the camera finally gets back to them, Teddy Long has been pushed down by Ron, only for Butch to attack from behind. Reed gets the F.O. from Long again, smacking Simmons in the face, comes off the second rope with a falling fist, some more falling fists, and Long joins in with kicks to leave Ron laying. Poor Ron Simmons. Teddy yells at the camera that Ron Simmons is the cause that they lost, and he will have hell to pay. Get out of here, peanut head. So, fun fact for this match. Mm-hmm. The Freebirds had a tag team championship match 11 days prior to this show yeah. on TV in which they lost the belts. Oh, so they so their lost the belts before they had them? Negative 11 days. That's incredible. Who did they lose them to? Weird. That was uh, the Steiners. Yeah, why break up Doom? I don't like that at all. I, I knew you wouldn't like the Doom breakup. Do you like it? I didn't care. Why do you not like Doom? Because they're just kind of boring. I like Doom, and I'm upset. There was some stuff in this match where I was like, where the... By the end of 91, mm-hmm. I'm a spoiler alert. Yes. I'm not going to spoil it all. I'm going to tease. No, tease teaser tease, alert. Tease, yes. Teaser tease, alert. Tease me all day. Big uh, Maddie Dink. Ron Simmons does other things. Yeah, I'd imagine, you know... Nobody stays in one promotion forever, except for, well, I guess Sting, but that was until then. But the, that, that, he didn't leave. It just ceased to exist. He started coming <laughs> out of the rafters. Yeah, yeah I mean, like, WCW ended. So it's like, oh, okay. We then get another ad for Super Brawl, and then JR and Dusty are joined by Julian Baldwin. A 12-year-old winner of some kind of sweepstakes. <laughs> this is so good. That kid is so uninterested. Julian is asked by JR who his favorite team in War Games is, and he says Doom. Yes. So JR quickly gets rid of him for being an idiot. <laughs> well, I mean, the kid's just like, he's like, I like Doom. He's got a cool Doom shirt on, I believe. Uh, but, yeah, but you can see Dusty, like, holding back a smile when he's got his hands on the kid's arm. He's like, he, didn't, he thought that shit was hilarious, and so did I. They then preview the War Games match and send us to some video footage where we see Ric Flair with a crazy short haircut. He's got like a uh, like a bowl cut. Yes. It's like a it's a fucking bowl cut. <laughs> it looks it looks terrible. So the reason he has this haircut. Yeah, is because he was the Black Scorpion, right? No. Why? Jim Hurd, the mm-hmm. president of WCW at this time, wanted Ric Flair to change gimmicks and become a character called Spartacus. Oh, shut the fuck up. Is this real? Continue. This is completely real. And Ric Flair's like, 
do you know who the fuck I am? I'm I mean, like, I, don't, I don't know if that's the exact words you <laughs> yeah. use, but it's the exact words I would use. Yeah, it's, like, it's like, like, I'm sorry. Uh, I'm fucking, ca- I'm right here. Do we need to count how many times I've made a vent in Starcade in the last 10 yeah. years? I'm like... I'm fucking Rick fucking Flair. Jesus <laughs> Christ. What was Spartacus about? You're just going to be like... A, a some gladiator, dis- I Yeah, guess? I mean, I assume that's what it's got to be. But fucking lame. So... Rick Flair doesn't need a gimmick. Ric Flair is Ric Flair. Ric Flair is Ric Flair. Yeah. And that's all you need. But remember this for when we get later on in the year because... A Spartacus, a wild Spartacus appears. This tension between Ric Flair and the president of WCW Uh, causes many, many issues. Gets real. But the video shows Ric Flair coming off the second rope with a knee drop to Brian Pillman, which injures his shoulder. Mm Mm-hmm. And then Tony Schiavone yells out, because he's now ring announcing. He's not just on the stage doing interviews. Yeah. The regular ring announcer, they're like, deuces. Tony Schiavone's going to do it. And he yells out, let the war games begin. And the cage begins to lower. Mm-hmm. Pyro's going Dude. off, attached to the cage. It's crazy the amount of pyro that's attached to this cage. And then it Tony, looks, it looks awesome. It's a good and visual. And then Tony gives us a five-minute dissertation on the rules of war games. Do you have them? I didn't write them all down. I kind of did. I have my like cliff note version. Okay, of it. Well, what you got? First two will battle for five minutes. After the bell sounds, one person from each one of the teams will enter, giving one team an extra man advantage for the next two minutes. This is at the point where there's a whole other page of rules about uh-huh. yeah. how they each get. Move on to a man. There's, there's, there's nine of them. There's yeah. no number ten. You couldn't have just like split one in half and made it to ten and even it out. After that two minutes, the other team will have someone enter, making an even advantage match. The two teams will then continue to alternate until all men are in the ring. Then the war games begin. Uh, the match beyond. Match beyond I'm sorry. Begins. The match beyond begins. And the only way to win is by having someone surrender submit. or, or submit. submit. Yes. There are no pinfalls, countouts, or disqualifications. You can't get counted out. You can't. you're in a cage. you're in a cage. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, the time will be kept ringside. And the ref because has the, cares the, about the final say. Seven periods. A lot of... It was literally a dissertation on yes. the rules, and it was just like... It's like a college course. It's like, these people just want to watch wrestling. Yeah, we don't we don't need all these rules. Like, people are going to get in the ring, they're going to fight. Yeah, once yeah. All the, all the My favorite there. is the coin toss. Fucking coin all, toss. Get the fuck out of here with the coin toss. There ain't no damn coin they toss. They roll a D20. <laughs> but, uh... Everyone knows the heels are going to have the advantage, because yeah. it doesn't... It's the it only storyline yeah. telling it. But on the plus side, it, the match is better than the rules. The match, match is, is better, definitely better than, than the rules. rules. So with that tenth match, our main event of the evening, the horsemen of Big Sid Vicious, Barry Windham, and Nature Boy Ric Flair. With a guest appearance by Larry Zabisco. And Larry Zabisco. Arn's hurt. We with, talked about it earlier. Yep. Yeah, with Arn Anderson in, at ringside. Versus Flying Brian Pillman. Hell yeah. Sting. Hell yeah. And the Steiner brothers. Hell yeah. Of Rick and Scott Steiner. What a what a, a cool like four baby faces, right? In a war games match. Here's the thing. So remember the dudes with attitude from the middle part of nineteen ninety? Was that was was that Paul Orndorff and El Gigante, Junkyard Dog. Oh, okay. I was thinking of 
this who were the guys that came out on skateboards and that was dynamic dudes oh yeah but then i got my dudes mixed up but then that was the dudes with attitude in the match but then they got to the main event and it was sting versus flair and they had the dudes with attitude were around the ring and the steiner brothers were there with orndorff and junkyard dog Mm -hmm. because el gigante was up the ramp with yeah holding on ole yeah yeah and i said in that when we were talking about that match i was like or that show, I was like, why wouldn't you put someone like Brian Pillman in this spot to give him the rub? Yeah. Dusty shows up. And fucking does it right. Does it correctly. Mm-hmm. Like, this is why Dusty Rhodes <laughs> is considered one of the greatest minds. Yeah, in, in, wrestling. in wrestling. Oh, man. Because Ole would have just fucking had Junkyard Dog in the spot or some shit. Yeah, he's like, oh, Junkyard draws. So we're just going to put Junkyard in there. Exactly. It's like, pfft. I love I love my dog, but uh, Brian Pillman is a goddamn phenomenal fucking talent. So the last time we saw Larry Zabisco was at Bunkhouse Stampede. Oh, the worst I've, show we've ever watched. Yeah, I I think it it might be the worst show with like kind of the funnest name. <laughs> that's all the way back at episode fifteen. I don't suggest going back and watching it. Listen to our review of it because it was much more fun than it's that a, show. It's shorter than the show. I promise you that. Plus, you get to hear me rant about how shitty the show was. It is pretty rough. We see Pillman's shoulder is all taped up from that oh, attack yeah. from the Horseman and mm-hmm. Ric Flair. Wyndham is in the ring when Flying Brian just jumps in. Yeah, like they're. That's not the plan. No, he's pissed. He's fucking. Like Sting's pissed. pissed. Like he's like, "What are you doing?" Well, no, being but Pillman's pissed. Pillman's he, pissed. He wants her well. fucking revenge. He doesn't give a shit. He's all amped up, and it is an incredible way to start a fucking War Games match. Brian's tossed the ropes, ducks a clothesline, comes back with a flying clothesline. Wyndham with a shoulder tackle running the ropes. Pillman jumps up and grabs hold of the top of the cage to swing himself into a drop. Oh kick. my god, it's so cool. And then does it again for yes. a head scissors take. It's so cool. Chops in the corner, an Irish whip. Brian jumps up to the second rope and fakes like a crossbody. So Barry ducks. But Pillman turns around and waits for Wyndham to stand up and then hits a drop kick. Like, I already love Brian Pillman, but this is like the greatest shit. Right? It's just yeah. like, so it's, it's like. Great, this is it's the best a, start ever to do yeah. a fucking war game. It's incredible. Like, he's just doing cool ass stuff. And the crossbody thing, we know that's a move he does. Like everybody knows that, and he did the he faked it out. Yeah, it was Wind- cool. It made sense. It's awesome. That's why Wyndham ducked because he knows yeah. it's coming. Basically, uh, we've all played NBA Jam. I mean, not all of us, but most of us. Brian Pillman is on fire. <laughs> He's just in flames. Yeah. Wyndham then tosses Brian to the ropes, who comes back with a crossbody, but Barry has ducked. Pillman retaliates with a low blow, throws Wyndham into the cage, rams his head against it. Using it as a cheese grater, Ugh. a jawbreaker, starts biting Barry's forehead to bust him open. Hell yes, I love that. We get mounted punches, a hip toss, again throws him into the cage before going to the top rope and coming off with a flying clothesline. Another jawbreaker throws him over the ropes to the other ring and again goes into the cage face first. A spinning heel kick and starts working on Wyndham's leg. Barry starts fighting back with the right hands, goes for a pile driver, but Pillman reverses it into a back body drop, going up to the second rope and coming off with a flying fist. 
two minutes is up, and it's time for that coin toss. I wonder who's going to win. The faces? <sighs> the heels? Horsemen win the coin toss, of course. <laughs> of course and Ric Flair's in to save Wyndham from more head slams into turnbuckles. Flair and Brian are having a chop fest, but Barry comes from behind to hit Pillman, and the horsemen toss him into the cage. Wyndham lawn darts flying Brian into the cage. Flair tosses him over to the ropes to the opposite ring, choking him on the top ropes. Two minutes is up, and Sting is in. The Stinger's taking it to both men, hitting a double clothesline, face plants them both, and Barry crotches Pillman on the top rope. Ah, uh, a double clothesline. Flair trying to slam Sting's head into the cage, but he blocks and starts no-selling nature boy chops. Flying Brian with a headbutt to the gut of Barry, a stinger splash on Flair, and two minutes is up, and Zabisco is in. Mm. What was the pop like for Zabisco? About as much fun as typing Zabisco every time I had two of these notes. <laughs> Sting flies over the ropes to shoulder tackle Larry. Pillman has the figure four on Wyndham. Zabisco slams Sting's head into the turnbuckle while Flair breaks up that figure four. Natch tosses Brian into the cage and Wyndham face plants Sting. Two minutes is up and Rick Steiner is in. Hell Rick yeah. is immediately double teamed by the horse team, but Steiner ducks a flare clothesline and returns with a Steiner line on the Nature Boy and then a Steiner line on Wyndham. Rick with mounted punches on flare. Natch tries to atomic drop Rick, but Steiner blocks, hitting a belly to belly suplex. Mm, love it. Sting with mounted punches on Barry. Rick tosses Flair to the cage. And then cheese grates him to bust him open. Hell yeah. Pillman's chopping away at Zabisco. Sting's thrown into the cage by Wyndham. Natch attempts to slam Rick's head into the cage, but he blocks and reverses, continuing with more cheese grating. Two minutes is up, and Sid Vicious is in. Oh my god. Vicious throws Rick into the cage, holds him for Flair to hit a blow-blow. Nature Boy then tries to throw Pillman into the cage, but is blocked and reversed. Sid with a vicious clothesline on Sting. <laughs> Rick throws Zabisco and Flair into the cage. Zabisco with a high knee before throwing Rick into the cage, but Steiner no-sells, punching out Larry. Wyndham with a double knock and knocker to fly in Brian and the dog-faced gremlin. Sting then throws Flair into the cage, but Natch retaliates with a low blow. Two minutes is up. And Scott Steiner is in. The match beyond now begins. Surrender or, or submission. submission. Wyndham and Flair double team Scott, but he ducks a double clothesline, returning with one of his own. Scott with a tiger driver on Zabisco. Mm. Rick Irish whips Sid to the corner where Scott comes off with a flying clothesline. Scott throws Vicious into the cage. Stinger splash on Flair again. Locks on the Scorpion Deathlock, but Zabisco makes a save. Vicious with a body slam of Pillman, throws him shoulder first into the turnbuckle, and rips the tape off of Pillman. Oh my god. Not Scott, the tape. Scott then tosses Zabisco into the cage. Sid goes for a body guillotine, but Flying Brian moves, crotching Vicious. The Steiners, Sting, Pillman, all have figure fours on their opponents. I know, I was like, oh shit. But the heels all use Irakes to escape. The crowd is like, hell yes. Sting with a press slam of the nature boy, pressing him into the top of the cage before dropping him to the mat. Scott then throws Wyndham. That's kind of like an incredible spot. Oh, it's a great spot. Like, he's just 
military president because the there's, the war games cage is not very tall. So Sid Vicious is six seven, I think. Oh wow, yeah. And I'd say the caged height is probably seven four. Yeah, I don't know. I'm not sure. Either way, he's pushing Sting's back into the top of the cage yeah. before he slams him. Like basically just d- lifting. It's, yes. it's great. It's incredible. Scott then throws Wyndham into the cage, mounted punches while Sid hits a clothesline on Rick. Steiner line by Rick on Vicious, but Wyndham teams up with Sid for a double clothesline of Rick. We get another chop fest between Flair and Pillman. Zabisco is thrown into the cage by Scott. Scott with a DDT on Wyndham, but Sid tosses Pillman to the ropes and picks him up, slamming him into the top of the cage and then dropping him to the mat. Vicious then picks Fly and Brian up for a powerbomb, but Pillman's foot catches the top of the cage so he lands right on his neck. It's really scary. It's very scary. It's like, yeah. Malia, God bless. Sid picks him up and hits another powerbomb. The man could have died. All of a sudden, El Gigante comes running down to the ring, rips the cage door open, and surrenders the match on behalf of Pillman. Which, honestly... Considering that nasty neck fall and then the second power bomb, this is one of the few times where like it makes sense. But I don't know that it was supposed to look that bad. <laughs> this was not the finish of the match. Oh, okay. It was that botch was serious enough that they stopped it because they were like, we don't. Know they, like they were worried about Pillman. Well, that's good to know. I mean, because I was like, this finish look is like it's like ugh, why would you do this? Here's the thing. The, the thing is, is, obviously, they they know that he's probably hurt. Yeah. But they don't... El Gigante then drags Pillman out of the oh ring. Oh, my God. He does And do picks that. him up like a baby and uh-huh. carries him to the back, never supporting the neck at all. Yeah. I was just like... I didn't know that, that like, I didn't know that that's let, why it finished. Let the paramedics come out and deal with this. I'm just yeah. like, let a doctor look at him. Because, like, he... It looked disgusting. He, he was out of it, I, th- I think. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, I mean, I appreciate them doing the right thing uh, and stopping the match. Yes. It could have been probably done a little bit. I mean, that's why better. They, that's why they had to kind of bamp. Yeah, because they still had a few. It more did minutes. feel weird for sure, but I'm not used. I'm used to like dog shit finishes, so like you know, like other than this botch, this like, match, if, oh, if, this match rules. This match was really good. Yeah, it's great. Brian Pillman is the reason that it's so great. Exactly, and it's like yeah, like he outshined. Everybody, everybody, everybody. and he, like the thing is, like they gave him a good reason to be upset, and he took complete advantage of it in like the best fucking way. Jr. and Dusty then interview Nick Patrick, the ref who stopped the match, and he says it was apparent that Brian Pillman was unconscious and unable to speak for himself, and I'm not going to re- be responsible for injury to any of these men. Yeah, good on you, Nick. Exactly. They then review the evening, say their goodbyes. And the credits roll. Man, I didn't know that. But Brian Pillman was seemingly fine. I mean, I think the Horsemen were still supposed to win. No, but, but I'm just talking about like but the actual injury the actual or the injury. potential injury. Like yeah. he he didn't have like some weird fractured neck or anything. He just I think he had to have fusion surgery. But not like right now, like in the future or what? You don't know. It's I'm all not good. sure exactly. Yeah, I was just curious. It didn't. He wasn't like on the shelf. I didn't look it up. 
Yeah, he's not on the shelf for like a year or anything, is he? I'm not sure. Probably got a, like a serious concussion, and they stopped the match because uh, wow, they did that look bad. So Michael Temple, yes sir. Your overall thoughts of Wrestle War 1991? Good show. I, I agree completely. It's, good, it's a good show. It's a really good show. I mean, I literally was like, other than a couple matches, maybe going a couple minutes too long. Yeah, like you have your six, your six man, or it's like. But you got the guys in the ring, and it wasn't the worst thing. No. I thought it was a very entertaining show overall. Oh, yeah. Uh, there was decent matches. The storytelling in the title matches was really good. Yes. I mean, I this show was not a difficult watch at all. The War Games was intense and vicious. All the matches the are, like, basically, like, ten minutes or under. Like, they're all, like... I mean, I think we have a couple Twelvers, but those are also... Your Bobby Eaton and Brad Armstrong, or your tag match. I mean, I think the first match probably should have gone a little bit shorter. And um, it was the still only ten minutes. Royal Family Young Pistols match probably should have gone a little bit shorter. It could, yeah, it could have gone a little shorter, but it was still really good. It wasn't bad. I'm not gonna say. I mean, it's not the best time we've seen. It's not the uh, best Southern Boys Young, young Pistols, Pistols match, match we've, we've ever seen. No, not at all. But I mean, still Terry good. Taylor probably shouldn't have gone. Like went twelve minutes. Yeah, but I mean, I don't really have any any beef with the show at all. I yeah, outside, I, I of, outside of outside like, of losing the titles. Like, once again, I'm nit- literally nitpicking. Like, yes, a couple minutes. Yeah, off of a couple matches. Yeah, Doom losing the titles is like the only thing that's, I didn't. That's like. your biggest and biggest biggest complaint. That's your biggest complaint, and I promise you. I that would say biggest surprise that the War Games match was good. Because they had an angle, and Brian Pillman just went in there, and like everybody was behind him, like the crowd was behind him. I was behind him on a feud that's you know fucking thirty years old or whatever. Exactly. I was still, I was like, I was like, oh yeah, I'm fucking in, I'm good. Like this is great. State Patrol was surprisingly better than I expected. Good. Where, where's the smart marks at? All right, fuck you. I think it's time we smark it up. What are some of your best moments of the night? State Patrol. State Patrol, better than they should have been. Better than they should have been. Exactly. Uh, but, I mean, the highest, of course, is the women's tag team match. <laughs> Come on. Oh, my goodness. Come on. You could show that to anybody. Anybody from anywhere. And they'd be like, yeah, that's I, good. I like that. That, Bob, that Bobby Eaton-Brad Armstrong match. Very good. Very good. Eaton is over in my book I already. Love I love him. And he's making me love him even more in singles matches. Yeah, it's like one of those things I just didn't really expect to see Bobby Eaton solo match, and I, it was great. I mean, it was fun to see Big Cat, Vader, and Hanson uh, kind of renew their their rivalry that they've had in Japan for a long time. Yeah, that was very very fun, and like they, it was a they, different style match on the show than everything uh, else. So oh that's, yeah, that's the reason why it well, worked for me. They also did the brawl thing, but it felt a little bit more authentic because I mean that's what Stan Hansen, but like them brawling behind. The announcers and them getting like visibly Scared and audibly, audibly like upset, like they were, were not happy about it. I'm sure that they chewed chewed somebody out or bitched about it after the show. Oh, I'm, sure. <laughs> I'm sure they did because they were not happy at all. The I was surprised that Dan Spivey got in so much shit on likes, but that match was good too. It's a good show. That would almost be one of my more disappointing. <laughs> Oh, that he got that much shit on? Yeah. But the, ma- I mean, the match just, was good. Like, I feel like Luger just didn't do anything in that match at all. He didn't, all. yeah. Spivey did have 
some sloppy stuff, but overall. The Koloff promo. Oh, I love that. Thank God. I don't know where this, how this goes with Dusty booking, but I know that if this is the start, like a pretty solid start, man. Honestly, pretty great start. How about disappointing? I'll say it again. I'll say it a million times. Doom losing titles. And then, of course, I would have liked a more solid finish for the War Games match. But after the information that you gave me, I, I'm not going to talk shit or be upset about it. Because it's like, oh, I mean, that looks bad. If you talk shit, you just have to talk shit about Vicious for botching moves. Yeah, like, and it's just, yeah. It's like, like protect, shit. protect your fellow wrestler. Shit, shit happens, and, you know, it is what it is. But that was, like, my main thing. I was like, why did it have to... Why did it have to end like this? I don't need schmas. We got a cage. No schmas with a cage. I'm against that. But in if considering you know the information that you gave me and you know obviously that terrible looking spot. Yeah, it was, I can't. It I wasn't am not. Schmas at all. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not mad at all. When I was watching it, I was like, "Fuck this again." It's like when was it? Ole Anderson had the control, the, the remote control yeah, for the cage. I was like, horrible. "Ugh, gross." I can't decide if. Holly dangerously being racist is disappointing or incredible or, or just incredible. It was incredible. It's like, you know, not cool, but that's what heels do. Exactly. So I'm like, yeah, it was that the Polly thing was really fun. Like I was like, <laughs> like it is what it is. He said some fucked up shit, but people have said more fucked up shit as well. It's, it's wrestling. They deal in racism and, and wars. <laughs> like it's just kind of the thing. It's kind of part of the deal. Disappointing that Arn Anderson was hurt since the Zabisco was in this match. I'm mud, yeah, Anderson. I mean, definitely. I mean, but injuries happen, so. Yes. Best performer of the night? Are we giving it to Pillman? Uh, yeah, we're giving well, Japanese woman. We can give it to all four Japanese women, but Pillman, Pillman gets it because he. Pillman like, made that match. He made the match. If, I, I agree. If, like, if the same four guys had that match without that angle. Or even with that angle, but Pillman didn't start, it would be it wouldn't we wouldn't even be talking about it the way we are right now. Exactly. So like it was really, really Pillman put that all together and made it a main event. I mean, you already kind of mentioned something that surprised you, but that the fact that Dusty's Dusty's back. Yeah, I mean that was surprising. That that I, him I and Dustin being like, I you know, I watched these shows like pretty close together, and it's like, oh, okay. I knew he went back, but I didn't realize that he was already back in the Booker spot. When yeah, he back. So I'm hoping 91 can be much, much better than 90. I mean, as as long as we've been doing this, like JCP, NWA, WCW, whatever, like kind of only just slowly gets better. You'll it'll get better, and then like you might have like something disappointing, and so then it'll get better. Bring that bunkhouse stampede back. Yeah, yeah. Hopefully that's, that's the only bad idea that Dusty. That I just absolutely hate. It's, it's not great. But I'm just saying, like, it's only gotten a little bit better. And sometimes it's, like, two steps forward and then one step backward. But overall, it's just... We come together because opposites attract. Yes. What is the line? Uh, two steps forward, one step back. I really like you. I think you're a cat. <laughs> I don't think that's the line at all. Because <laughs> we come together because opposites attract. attract. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And now for a look back even farther into the history of wrestling. The Dusty Finish. Jack Briscoe had been the NWA World's heavyweight champion for 500 days, 
when he went on a tour of Japan. Giant Baba would defeat Briscoe on December 2nd, 1974 to become the 13th NWA champion. Giant Baba, born in 1938 in Nagata, Japan, with gigantism. Nevertheless, he excelled at a baseball and would join the Yomuri Giants in 1955 as a pitcher. That's a giant person playing baseball. He would win the Best Pitcher Award three times before being forced to retire after he almost lost his eyesight. Baba would meet Rikidojin while with the Giants, who would convince him to try professional wrestling. Giant Baba would then train in the Japanese Wrestling Association's dojo with Antonio Inoki when he debuted in 1960. The two would dominate the tag team division of the JWA during the 60s. After Rikidozen's death, Giant Baba would start All Japan Pro Wrestling and become the biggest star, holding the top title for almost 2,000 days. Oh my god, that's a little much. Making 38 successful defenses. For his accomplishments, Baba has been inducted into the Professional Wrestling and Wrestling Observer Newsletter Hall of Fames. 2,000 days. It's That's almost, just his first reign. It's incredible. I mean, it was his promotion. Next week, <laughs> WrestleMania 7. Ooh, already. WrestleMania 7. We're there. We are. WrestleMania is always fun, even if they're not good. I think this one will be fun. We get... We're going to have uh, Macho mm-hmm. versus Warrior. We're going to have Slaughter versus Hogan. Mm-hmm. We've had, like Hogan hasn't had the title for like a small amount of time, so maybe we'll come out Hogan stands after this. I mean... Maybe. Who knows? If we're chanting USA with our red, white, and blue blood... Yeah. I mean, we want Slaughter to lose, right? Yeah. Of course we do. What are the chances of that belt being purple? I feel like it's not going to be. I don't think so either. I guess we'll find out. Maybe they'll make it yellow for Hogan. Just put he he who will pose. He he who will, yeah, he who will pose. Man, you really got me with that earlier. Music from this week's show is the theme from Russell War 91. And the horseman theme at the time was called Brain Decay by Chris Zangaritas. My God, what a spelling for that last name. Uh, also, brain decay. That sounds really, really, really rough. You know, it's... was it? Did this song predict CTE? <laughs> it's, not, it's rough. You know, it's just some stock music. That, yeah, yeah. That WCW found. Mm-hmm. But if you like our show, if you want to let other people know all about it, you can always rate and review us on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, or wherever you find your podcasts at. And you can always email us with any questions, comments, concerns, just anything you want to talk to us about at all. Uh, you can find us on the email at wrestlinghistoryx at gmail.com or you can find us on Twitter at wrestlinghistox that's wrestling H-I-S-T-O-X we'll talk to you next week